Alexa, what is diet culture? Here's something I found on the web. According to thriveglobal.com, diet culture is a set of beliefs that worship thinness and particular body shapes. This is Dr. Aaron Nitschke. This is Dr. Darian Parker. This is Decoding Diet Culture. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Decoding Diet Culture Season 2. In this season, we are breaking down different fad diets and dietary eating patterns. Not all of them are fad diets. And in this episode, we're going to talk about one that is not considered a fad diet, It has some merit, but also some drawbacks, just like anything. It's the volume metrics diet. So it's based on a book by a woman named Dr. Barbara Rolls. You can find the book on Amazon for close to 18 to 20 bucks. At the time of publication, she was known as the endowed Guthrie chair of nutritional sciences at Penn state. And she's also served on the advisory council of the NIH's Institute of Diabetes and Digestive and Kidney Diseases. So she is a legitimate professional in nutritional sciences. And her approach to the volumetric diet is pretty interesting. And we'll look at, we'll look at the differences in this diet. And you can compare that to previous episodes that have talked about things like the carnivore diet and other more restrictive eating plans. So Dr. Rawls created this detailed eating style to emphasize foods with a very high nutrient density and low caloric density, which isn't a bad idea at all. As a health and fitness professional, I always coach my clients to consume nutrient dense options whenever possible and limit processed foods, limit those things that are super high in calories that aren't going to offer a lot of nutrient benefit, just so, so they're fueled properly and can sustain energy and sleep better and all of those things that we know accompanies eating a balanced diet. So the volumetrics diet, it's marketed to promote weight loss because it promotes having you fill up on those low calorie, but nutrient dense foods. So you're getting a lot of vitamins, macro minerals, and micro minerals. The foods included are really high in water volume, and high in fiber and fiber is a satiating ingredient, meaning you can feel full longer. It's a, it's a lot like protein in that respect is it makes you feel full for a longer period of time. It's also purported to reduce hunger feelings because it does prioritize those foods that have high water content and low calories. So for example, broccoli, high water content, also high in fiber can, can take up a lot more space in your stomach without giving you a ton of calories. So the eating plan or the book also encourages exercise for up to an hour a day and also monitoring food intake via journaling. So there's this sort of mindfulness component, this, this self-accountability strategy that's promoted, which is a good thing. So looking at the protocol, the eating plan divides food into these four categories. So the way this is done, it's based on energy density. So Side note, if you ever want to calculate the calorie density of any food, you take the number of calories in a particular serving size and divide it by its weight in grams. That's just a math lesson for any of you that might be interested in the more nerdy part of how this, how the business gets done. So category one is called very low calorie. So that density is less than 0.6. Category two is low calorie. So that goes from the 0.6 to 1.5. 
Category three is considered medium calorie density. It's 1.6 to 3.9. And then the last category is high calorie density. So that's four to nine. So when you look at a typical meal in the volumetric diet, it's mostly comprised of category one foods, as well as foods from category two that sort of help round out the plate. You can consume smaller amounts of category three and limited portions from the fourth category. Because remember the fourth category is the high calorie density. Overall, if you look at the plan, it's about 1400 calories. That's low for, for many people, but the good thing is it can be adjusted based on a person's needs and calorie goals. And that's important because we see a lot of fad diets that are a thousand calories or less, and that is not creating an environment for metabolic safety. And that will backfire later. The other part of the protocol is that no foods are considered quote unquote, completely off limits, unlike other dietary protocols. So you look at the carnivore diet and pretty much anything that's not meat is, is restricted. So foods with higher calorie densities really can be consumed on the volumetrics diet just by adjusting down the portions of other categories of foods. So it is very flexible. Some things to consider. So it can be really time intensive. So prepping these types of foods and calculating the calorie density to be sure that whatever foods you're eating are in the appropriate category. And obviously math isn't necessarily everybody's favorite subject. So to really sit there and try to calculate the calorie density of lettuce or the calorie density of something with a little bit more high calorie to it, that takes some time. And that takes a lot of energy and mental space. And sometimes people just don't have that. Also prepping these types of foods, if they're vegetables, not a lot of people are going to be okay with eating them raw, maybe for a reference in taste or texture, or it could be the digestive piece. Eating raw vegetables can create digestive upset that is uncomfortable for people. So it really can be very time intensive because it does take that time to food prep, meal prep, cook and prepare, whether you're grilling, you're baking, you're sauteing, whatever the case is, and then also calculating it and, and double checking those numbers to make sure that it's in the right category. Because if you miscalculate and calorie four foods are actually in, in, or category four foods are actually in category one then you've got an issue with your portion sizes. So there's that consideration. The other thing that stands out to me is that it's really limiting on those healthy fats. And that can become an issue for things like vitamin absorption. So you think about your fat soluble vitamins, your vitamins, A, D, E, and K. If we're going to limit fats, it's very difficult for the body to absorb those nutrients consistently. And so we're missing out on great options like avocado and those monounsaturated and polyunsaturated fats, nuts and seeds, olives, things like that. So that's something that, that can be considered limiting, um, or a limitation of this particular approach. Also, the other thing is it's emphasis is on calorie intake and Calories in versus calories out. Yes, it's true. You need to have a caloric deficit to elicit weight loss, but metabolism is not that simple. It's not that black and white. And, um, it's, it's a whole lot more complex than that. So in a physics standpoint, 
a calorie is a calorie. So if we're in a physics lab and we are examining 10 calories from one item versus 10 calories from the other, physics is going to tell us a calorie is a calorie because it's a unit of heat. It's a unit of energy in the body. It does not work that way. So 500 calories from a a high calorie food like pizza functions differently in the body than say 500 calories that come from lean chicken and veggies and maybe a whole grain source. So we don't process food in the body like a physics lab does. And thank goodness we are, we are not a controlled environment like a physics lab would be. So the emphasis on the calorie intake can create sort of this obsession with tracking my calories and, oh, I've, I've taken in 1700 calories, but I've burned 300. So that means I've got this much left over and it's just not, that's not how metabolism works. And maybe that's our next series is metabolic function. So it can become very obsessive for people to, to really be tracking their food. And instead of creating a level of awareness about what they're taking in versus what they're expending and looking at it from a whole perspective, it becomes this sort of, well, I was 500 calories over and really your weekly numbers matter a lot more than your daily numbers and patterns matter a lot more than what you ate on Tuesday versus what you ate on Wednesday. So keep that in mind is, is that emphasis on calorie intake can become problematic, not for everybody, but again, focusing only on the calories oversimplifies what goes on in the body when we're eating food and when we're burning energy too. So really what's the bottom line or the take-home messages from the volumetrics diet? So this diet does prioritize those most nutrient-rich foods. That's a good thing. Lots of vitamins, lots of minerals. The other feather in the cap for this is processed foods are limited and they're not encouraged as part of a plan. Now, when I say processed foods, to some degree, all foods are processed. So the gallon of milk that you buy has gone through a process to get from the cow to the grocery store. But when I say processed foods in this context related to this diet, it's really about those prepackaged foods with a lot of preservatives and they're high in fat and they've probably got some trans fat in there and more saturated fat than they do anything. Lots of sugar, lots of salt, things like that. So those types of foods are not part of this plan or they're not encouraged. Overall, the plan is actually pretty sustainable and flexible. The one thing to keep in mind is there are very limited online resources. So you have to be creative when looking at recipes and figuring out again, that, that calorie density. It's also not highly restrictive because all foods fit. So those four categories of foods, there's just other foods that are limited in portion size. And overall, following this could really improve diet quality because we are focusing on those those whole foods, you know, those vegetables, those higher water content items and and the things that are higher in calorie or lower in calories and higher in nutrients. So it can really improve diet quality. And it is again flexible and sustainable, but it it would take some getting used to to try to really meal prep and meal plan. So if that's not something that is interesting to you, then this might not be for you. 
And again, the thing that we always tell people in all of these episodes is if you're going to make a drastic change to your nutrient intake or even your physical activity pattern, you want to be consulting with a qualified professional and, and not the half naked TikTok influencers and Instagram influencers out there. If it comes down to your diet, please, please work with a registered dietitian to ensure that you are meeting your very basic needs and you're not being overly restrictive because being under fueled is far more dangerous than eating a bag of Doritos. Um, and I'm not talking a whole bag of Doritos. I mean, the snack size. So being under fueled is a serious problem. And that's what we really want to teach people to watch out for in anything that they pursue dietarily, because that's often what a diet is reducing these calories. And that again, oversimplifies metabolism. It oversimplifies what happens in the body versus what happens in a physics lab. And it can create this sort of obsessive hyper-focus on calories in versus calories out. So hopefully you found this episode interesting and it introduced you to another diet that's been around for a while. And we look forward to seeing you on our next episode.